With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Got my man, D. Wills. Holla at the people. 
Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm feeling like uh, I'm feeling real good. We had a great game yesterday. Um, you know, I'm trying to battle back a little bit, you know, kind of like Jordan right now. But uh, you know, it's been a great it was, it's been great March Madness, and uh, looking forward to NBA playoffs. It just you know, this is just the the time, the best one of the best times of the year for sports. So I know we got a lot to talk about tonight. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the tournament was one of the best in recent memory, in my opinion, as far as the amount of close games, the amount of highly contested games. Um, I just had a blast watching the tournament. A lot of great games, a lot of good basketball. Um, very, very enjoyable. Very, very enjoyable. So let me let me round out the booth real quick, and then we can jump into all that we have in store for the Renegade fans out there. Uh, we have a special guest sitting in for our man, Ph.D. We got LR, Resistance Digital CEO, Larry Randall's in the house. How you doing, Larry? I'm doing good, man. You know, the one thing about yesterday was I thought my wife was crazy, thinking that a dog could beat a wildcat, but damn, I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you hate it when they're right? Man, it'd be killing me, dog. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet. So this portion of the show is known as the world-famous intro to let them know. This is where we give you a quick rundown of everything that we have in store for you for tonight's edition of The Real Sports Guys. So for tonight, uh, we have a special guest coming on. We're going to spotlight one of our sponsors. Uh, we have XL uh, Lewis XL coming on from XL Academics. He's going to join us tonight. Um, we also will have the On the Rocks funky editorial uh, tonight where we're going, we're going to talk about the tournament, uh, Cal, UConn, Kevin Ali, just break down the tournament. We're going to have our one shining moment as we, re, as we kind of put a bow on the NCAA tournament season. Uh, we're going to get into the tourney challenge and give you the results of the challenge and how things went, who won, who took home the cash, who took home the prizes, who was the victor. And then we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. Uh, the things are shaping up. We're heading into the stretch run. Season ends about a week from now. Um, so we're going to dig into that. And, you know, we're going to hit you off with the resistance digital dog of the week. And we're going to keep it moving like we always do about this time. So with no further ado, uh, I'm going to have my man D. Wills jump on. Just so you know, all guests and hosts come via the Frederick's Accounting Gateway. Frederick Accounting, a national accounting service where clients never feel April 15th. Contact Steve Morehouse, folks at Frederick's Accounting, to address your business or personal accounting needs. Frederick's Accounting, the official account, accountant of RSG, tell them the real sports guy sent you. D. Wills, I want you to bring Thank in, because you. you've been working hard on this. You've been working hard on bringing in sponsors. He's been behind the scenes. Like I said, he's like Suge Knight without the anger management. All right? So he's been he's been doing all this work behind the scenes, building up the label, you know, building up the brand. So he, he wants to, you know, he's bringing in our sponsors one by one, giving them the red carpet treatment. So this is just another, uh, another edition of that red carpet introduction uh, that RSG provides those that sponsor us. So I'm going to give it to my man D. Will, and he's going to take you through. Well, thank you, Game Changer. You know, uh, we've uh, really tried to work hard to find uh, the right people um, to to be part of this brand. It's why we call it the movement. 
um, and, and folks that, um, you know, have a commitment to some of the things that we value um, as a show. You know, we're more than a sports show. Um, a lot of times we're talking about societal issues. Um, we, a lot of times we get into sports and education, sports and opportunity. Um, and so it was very important for me to find um, a sponsor that, particularly from the education side, given you know, the backgrounds of myself, Game Changer, Ph.D., um, in terms of our interest, uh, someone that valued, selected, valued education. And so uh, it was, it's been great to have uh, Excel Academics uh, be a part of it. Uh, they are sponsored for uh, Excel Academics' uh, last word. Um, and tonight we have the CEO for Excel Academics on with us, uh, uh, Excel Lewis. How are you doing, Excel? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Man, uh, it's been good. And, I mean, people are already going to see the impact of our uh, uh partnership um, as we start to think about our uh, – when you see the website in about a, a week or so uh, with the, the logo, it, it's going to be off the hook, but I, you know, I definitely want to give uh, your colleagues uh, credit uh, for the work they've done. The, the guys have been going crazy. They've been texting back. They love it. Um, and, and the kind of work our sponsors, uh, you know, LR is one of those two that have really tried to figure out how to help us uh, push our brand out. But I want people to really know a little bit about your, your company. Uh, can you tell them a little bit about Excel Academics and uh, what you're trying to do uh, with the company and how you're trying to have an impact? Sure, sure. You know, um, first of all, I want to I want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be on your show. I'm truly inspired by what you do, um, and I'm motivated by passion. And I know I know that everyone that's involved on Real Sports Guys is, is passionate not only about sports but about life. Um, and about societal issues, and that really gets to the core of what we do with Excel Academics. So I think the the mission is in line with um, overall what Real Sports Guys achieves on a daily basis. Um, we're a we're a technology company at the core, and we build supplemental services uh, to assist in lifelong learning experience to diverse learners and promote job creation and sustain economic growth. But what that means is we build platforms for schools, community organizations, nonprofit organizations around mentorship, um, peer-to-peer mentoring, alumni mentoring, where students can connect uh, to, to professionals in their, in their uh, field. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I've been very excited about the work that you've been doing in mentoring. And, you know, one of the things that, you always say that with our changing dynamics uh, in America and, and, and the fact that our neighborhoods have changed and, you know, you know young people don't always have access to, to mentors. You know, you, you know, back in the day you might live, you know, in, you know, even in segregated communities, people might live in, next to a doctor or a lawyer, business person. But today it's hard to have access to that. And I think your platform allows to kind of close that gap uh, with folks. Will you say that's true? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, when I when I first formed the company back in 2006, I, I formed it off of this eternal question that I asked myself, and that's how individuals connect. You know, how can we how can we bring social media, how can we bring technology into a world um, of networking that's happened for years? Um, so, so um, you hit you hit the nail on the head when you said. Um, what I typically say in terms of uh, oftentimes uh, individuals uh, aren't privy to or may, may or may not be privy to 
um, living next door to or having a, a CEO in their community uh, that's a local area CEO or having a middle manager in their community that's in marketing or, or, a, or a PhD individual. Um, but the technology brings not only introverted learners um, to the forefront to connect with individuals that, that share a similar career interest that have proven successful, um, but also tap into extroverted learners um, that want to connect in, in, a, uh, in a different way, in a, in a social um, networking site um, that's custom to the specific community organization or to the school. Um, so it's really, about, it's really about networking and it's really about connecting with people. Um, we just chose to do it through technology. Well, you know, I definitely uh, appreciate uh, what you're you're doing and um, um, looking to build this partnership. You know, I, you know, I, you always got some stuff. You you've known me for a long time. I'm in a lab. I got you know, I got some stuff that uh, we might roll out that will really um, <clears throat> we look to have this platform <clears throat> really leverage some of the work that we're doing. So we're looking very excited about that. Um, it's great to have you on this night tonight. I know you're, you're busy trying to thing and make things happen. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. Um, and, and thank you for uh, being with us. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I encourage anyone that's listening tonight um, to to engage in the sponsorship to further fuel the initiative that you've already started. Um, so, so I appreciate being with you tonight, and I look forward to uh, to listening in. And before I let you go, how can people find you? Uh, your website and everything else. What's the best way to connect with you if they're interested in learning more? Absolutely, it's uh, www xlacademics.com or you can call area code 815-708-6089. We're located in Rockford, Illinois um, by way of East State Street. Um, so, so come and check us out. Uh, check out the website or give us a call. Well, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it and uh, thank, you for, thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Take care. That's uh, XL Lewis, CEO of XL Academics our sponsor for XL Academics Last Word, XL Academics Changing the World One Mentor at a Time. The team is getting big, game-changing. We're we pushing it up. We're we pushing it to the next level. You know, the, the, the kind of concept that started, um, you know, in uh, you know, uh, 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 the lobby of an airport uh, and making it happen like this, I'm excited, man. And so uh, it's good to have this kind of sponsorship. You're welcome. Absolutely. You're very welcome. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're, we're definitely glad to have him on. Definitely glad to have him on board. Uh, the movement keeps growing. It keeps on pushing, and we're going to keep pushing forward through this show. Again, we have a slamming show in store for you tonight, and we're going to hit you off, get you off started right with the On The Rocks Funky Editorial. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, can we say it, y'all? Melvin, right. Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. All right, you're listening to The Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions, On The Rocks in Rockford, Illinois, XL Academics, and Fredericks County. Uh, right now you're in the midst of the On The Rocks funky editorial in this edition of the On the Rocks Funky Editorial, we are going to discuss our one shining moments. Uh, we're going to break down the NCAA tournament, the men's tournament, now that it has finished. 
Um, we have a few questions to bounce around between the real sports guys. And we're going to get in, we're going to dig in, and we're going to have some fun with this. So, fellas, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, University of Kentucky, Calipari. Um, what do we make of what he's done there? Um, you know, getting a team of, of that comprise that, you know, his rotation consisted of seven freshmen um, and, and two sophomores. Uh, a very, very green young team. Um, was balling for Big Blue Nation. Kentucky has done. Uh, Kentucky under Calipari has done this time and time again. Just how do we define what he's done? I want to start with Larry. How do you? How did? How does? Where does Cal sit in your mind? Well, it's pretty amazing when you can take a bunch of freshmen and maybe one or two sophomores and be a perennial powerhouse every year. Now I know you can say that with a grain of salt because. You're getting all these McDonald All-Americans. But in college basketball, there's something to be said about experience and having it and not having it. There's a reason why all of these mid-majors tend to do well in these tournaments. When you can take a bunch of kids and beat the old, quote-unquote, old men at their own game, it's pretty amazing. Uh, They started off this season being preseason number one. They kind of fell off the map for a minute. And then the next thing you know, they're in the final, you know, coming out of nowhere. So if that's not coaching, I don't really know what it is. So all of the naysayers that, you know, don't like what Calipari does as a coach, you can't dispute his success in getting these kids to buy into whatever he's selling them. Now, I don't know exactly what he's selling them, but when when they come to play like they play in this tournament, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, I, I get college props. It's hard to, to get a, a bunch of freshman kids that know that they're uber-talented to buy into a system, and they did it. So um, i say more power to them, you know. Just shake the haters off and keep on doing what you do, man. Yeah, I, and Cal gets a lot of hate from the traditional, the college basketball purist. You should win championships with juniors and seniors. That crowd hates Cal. If, if, if you're in that camp out there and you're listening, you hate Calipari. We know you do, all right? You're that guy who is shaking his cane at the TV and freshmen need to sit out a season, the red shirt, this, that, and the other, fall back, all right? You've got to give Cal his respect. I don't care how you feel about him. You have to respect, as, as, as you laid out, L.R., you've got to respect the fact that year in and year out, he's taking a formula. He's working the system. He's not doing anything outside of the rules. I know if PhD was here right now, he would say, just wait. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. He would say, just wait. In four years, they'll be taking down the banners. They'll be vacating wins, yada, yada, yada. But I, you you got to respect it, man. you got to respect it. And this season and no other season proves that it's not just about getting a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans together. Because these are the same guys that were at midseason out of the top 25. These are the same guys who at midseason were, were struggling in the SEC, which isn't a basketball conference. You know, this is, a, this is the same group of guys who people have forgotten about and left for dead before the SEC tournament. This is the same group of guys that earned an eight seed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there is, it's more than, than just getting the talent there. He has he has made it so that he has a talent, and now all he has to do is figure out how to make it work, how to get everybody to play together. 
and there are times where he can do that, and there are times where he can't. Now, you know, people will point to last year's team that didn't make the tournament, but, you know, people got to forget they had the number one prospect. He tore his ACL halfway through the season, you know, and Nerlens Noel. You know, you lose a guy that good, I don't care who you are, your team's going to take a step back, and they weren't able to recover as a program. Um, and that's where his, his model gets a little flawed is because if guys get hurt, well, it's a wrap. But you've got to give him his props. You've got to give him his props. Now, D. Willis, you've got an interesting take on – Calipari, I want you to lay it on the folks out there. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I've been saying through the tournament, I, I've said that people, you know, the, 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 the snap on him was like, well, he's not a good X and O person. And I, I think LR, you know, really nailed on that. Like, you cannot see what this team went through in midseason and the way they performed down the stretch. He made some adjustments, and so he is. He, he has he has uh, gotten better in terms of his X and O's. Um, but it's the, the bottom line, that's the system. You know, he's not he's not um, doing anything outside the system. And I know PhDs, you know, say, well, there's going to be some type of violation once he leaves and all that. But the bottom line is we're allowing kids to do one and done. Um, he is, um, they, they have, somehow he gets trust of the kids, of the families. He gets trust of Drake. He gets trust of Jay-Z. Cal has that. Cal has he has this kind of uh, he's got this magnet kind of personality that somehow pulls, but he checks on those kids. I mean, you, even the championship run they had with uh, D Rose a couple times, uh, he checked a couple people in there. In uh, so it's like it's not like they don't let him coach them. And that's the amazing thing that you know kids can have a lot of egos, and we talk about that. But somehow these kids let him coach them. And the one thing he's able to do, which is amazing, when you think about the fact that these kids were in high school a year ago. The commitment he get he gets them to have on defense, right? Because defense is an effort thing, right? Um, and and yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to get you some continuity in your offense, but defense with the kind of athlete you are is just a will thing. And somehow he gets them to share the ball, to play defense. Um, you know, I, you know, if the as the system stays the way it is, he's doing what he's doing. And the ups and downs are, like you said, if he has an injury. You know, Dean Smith once said, you know, late in his career, he looked down the court and realized that his, his career and his life been in the 18, 20-year-olds, and he got scared. Cal looking out there and looking at kids who still got the, the uh, Similac on their mouth. They still, they were in, you know, they were in middle school prom uh, uh, like uh, five years ago, you know, uh, couldn't drive a few years ago. And his future at a place like Kentucky is depending on them making good decisions. So, He's amazing, man. Um, and where he ran up against in a place, a person like Kevin Ollie, was a group where you had, you know, it's a guard game, and so where his guards were able to dominate, and 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 really didn't have to play defense a lot in a lot of these games. And one thing that they, there were no people challenging them other than maybe the Michigan game in the backcourt. What they where they got hurt last night is their guards. They pushed them out. They were challenging. That's where. He, that's where he he'll struggle when you run up against a team get some veterans who are like he's just not going to take my spot. That that's where he's going to run into problems in these tournament games where you got kids like Napier and Boatwright who are like you know they got that they got that they got that uh that that that, that park game you know they they like you know this is like pickup we hold court and that's how they play and uh, you just not going to be young as they going to come in here and just hold court we gonna hold court. And that's where he might get in trouble. But you don't run into too many of those teams. You know, he plays – you don't run into – those teams don't come around very often. And so it allows for him to, 
to uh, to continue to do this. So, hey, as long as it's working, you know, the president of Kentucky let them do it. The faculty of Kentucky let them do it. The people of Kentucky let them do it. You know, people get mad at these these coaches, but it's the college presidents. It's those folks who can decide which direction you're going to go or not. It's the faculty who are sitting out here. So, you know, for people to try and get on Calipari, you know, somebody is saying it's okay at the institution outside Calipari. And right. so, you know, and they don't have a problem with it. So, yeah, so you got Cal who who's done what he's done um, at Kentucky. And, you know, people are bringing up the uh, the possibility. A lot of people was asking him about whether or not he was interested in the L.A. job with the Lakers. Um, and, you know, Cal didn't say no um, per se uh, directly. He didn't use the word no at all. Um, so what do you think, D. Wills, about Cal as an NBA coach? Well, you know, I think Cal's problem, I think Cal fell into the trap that Patino fell into, um, that when they went to the NBA, both of them at the NBA, so much focused on control that they did not value taking the time to really, the most important people in your equation are your players. And so when you try to be GM, you know, when he went there, he was like GM, vice president. We try to take a that much of the responsibility in a league where it's dependent on your relationship with your star players and getting everybody focused um, uh, on that, uh, especially if you haven't had a lot of experience in the league. Um, I think that's where Cal and Patino got in trouble. And I think people underestimate that. Patino went there as like president. Of, you can't do all that stuff. Like so, you trying to be you trying to be Jackson, and you trying to be you know Bus. You can't do all that kind of stuff there. And so egos got in the way. Now, could he if, in a Lakers situation? He's not gonna have that kind of control. And I think he plays a style. I think he the key to the NBA is relationships. Nobody has better relationships than Cal. You know, it's X and O's, but the key is. Do your players buy into you, that kind of stuff? And I think he can be successful. I think he just can't overplay his hand around control. And I think that's what both he and Pitino did when they, they made their run. I think they, they'll focus too much on control rather than focus on letting their X and O game translate to the NBA. Okay. What do you think about that, Larry? What do you think about Cal's prospects as an NBA coach, in particular an NBA coach with the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, D hit it, you know, a lot with his points. You know, one major difference between Cal being a coach in the NBA now versus when he was in the league is that over the last, I would say, you know, two or well, even more than that, I would say over the last three or four years, he's been managing NBA talent. <laughs> so, you know, the whole the first time he really didn't have a lot of experience and was used to having that kind of control, and I think now he's more prepared to deal with the whole relationship factor. I mean, everybody knows in the NBA, it's all about managing egos. And if you're not doing that at Kentucky, I don't know what the hell you are doing. <laughs> because, I mean, those <laughs> kids are all pretty much NBA talented kids. So, to be honest, I think you would be way more successful at any NBA job versus uh, what he previously did when he was coaching in the league. Um, 
for being a coach for the Lakers is a whole nother, you know, neighborhood because you know you're going to get the resources. You know you're going to get the talent. So it's just a matter of managing it. You need to find somebody who's going to do that. That's been the problem with the Lakers. They haven't had a coach strong enough to be able to manage these egos since Phil Jackson left. That's been the number one problem with the Lakers, but fans don't want to hear it. They just think that it's all about system and and whatever else. But, no, it's it's just about managing egos. And, you know, if you can manage Kobe's ego, then you're probably going to have a decent team. And that's kind of what they need to do. And I think Kyle's the one college coach who can actually accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah. The the lights are not going to be too bright for him, right? You know, sometimes you get in L.A. and the lights get bright. Kyle is made for that. He, He might sit, he might coach next to Jack. He might coach from the bench. He might sit next to Jack and just in his little chair on his little stool, talk to Jack while he's trying to give structure to Kobe. That's Cal, and that's L.A. He's very L.A., and that's part of you can't be you can't be you can't shrink with the moment. But he has that L.A. feel. Yeah, he does. He does, and I think you guys are both hitting it on the head. I think Cal will work too in the NBA. Um, you know, both of you guys raised the point. He's been dealing with NBA talent for a while. Um, and I think it's different than when he first took did that first go round in the league. He didn't have the reputation and respect of guys who are already in the league already. Yes, you know, right. like NBA veterans now know who Calipari is. They know what he's doing. And actually, he's got guys who play for him who are four or five year vets in the league now. And so mm-hmm. his rep and a lot of these guys that he didn't he didn't coach he recruited. So he's going to be seeing a lot of guys and playing either on his roster, playing with or coaching against a lot of guys who have relationships with him, who know what he's about, who know who he is. And so guys who are on his team can reach out to these guys and say, well, what's this guy about? You know, and for the most part, I think these guys are going to have good things to say about Cal. Um, managing the egos, I think he's a, he's a master at. He's probably, in my opinion, the best in college basketball managing egos because he has to. He's got kids who are all looking to go pro. He sells them on going pro, and then they have a year with him. So they don't really got to listen to him all that much. They can go out and do what they want to do, really, because they only really in class for a semester, and they only ain't planning on being at the school for a year. So he really doesn't have control. And that control piece is where, for, in my perspective, most college coaches fail. Is, is they're used to being able to later when guys won't respond, they're used to being able to slam down with an iron fist and hammer home their point um, because I control your scholarship, I control you, I control your future, I control your opportunities because I'm your college coach. Well, in the league, you're more expendable. In college, the players are more expendable. You know, in the, in the NBA, the coaches are a dime a dozen. We can get anybody to sit on the bench. You know, we can't get another LeBron. We can't get another Kobe. We can't. You can't. You can barely get another Joe Johnson or somebody of that ilk. So the players hold all the cards. And what Cal has been dealing with the last couple of years are teams where, in all actuality, the players hold all the cards. They, the players, have no intentions of being there long term. He doesn't even have intentions on there being long, of those players being there long term because he's already got another crew coming in. You know. So the impetus for the players to really listen to Cal is not really there um, outside of that player's own self-interest. And what Cal has become a master at is getting players 
to understand that their interest, their interest as an individual is tied to the interest of the unit. And that's what he's become a master at, and that's what he did with this group of guys. He got them all to decide their own draft stock and their own projections and stop looking at Ford and Draft Express and stop looking at all of that and figure out, you know what, the best thing for me is for my team to make a run. And if my team makes a run, everything is going to go my way the way I want it to go depending upon how I play during that. But in order for us to even get that far, in order for me to get on that stage so, so I can shine, I got to work within the framework of this team. And that's what the league is all about. I mean, that's what it is ultimately, is getting guys to buy into roles, getting guys to do what it is that they do best within the framework of that particular unit, lineup, team, whatever, what have you. So I think Cal will do a great job. The million-dollar question or the ten the $9.99 question, as we have here on, on RSG, is, is Cal going to take the job? Larry, what do you think? If he's offered, do you think he takes? Do you, do you think he takes the LA job, or do you think he stays in Kentucky? Uh, my first inclination is that you know, Cush College coaches got to have more than a ten ninety nine reason to leave. To leave. <laughs> so I don't think he's going anywhere. Okay. All right. Be will. It's a drug, man. Does he stay it as you go? It's a drug. Um, and Cal, you know, he's won at Kentucky. He took this group out of nowhere to uh, to the, the finals. Um, he's done, you know, you know, he didn't win. He's done what he needs to do at Kentucky. He's going to lead with a lot of love at Kentucky. But, you know, they're going to be mad at his left. But he, they can't say he didn't do what he was supposed to do there. Um and the lure of L.A., there's not three jobs he would leave for. But, he could, he, you know, you could see him in New York City, Miami, where it's about star power, nothing's bigger than L.A. You know, you got an agent, Kobe Bryant, who wants to figure out how to win. Can you see Cal? You see Kobe kissing the trophy and, and Cal's over there kiss, hugging Kobe on one side and then Drake is on the other and Jay-Z's in the back smiling. You know, that's, that's the, you know, the jacket, like, got pushed out of the room. You know, it's just, but that's Cal. And so I wouldn't put it past him to go because, as you and I know, there's something about that drug of fame. There's something about that that thing. I think Cal, he manages that, but he loves it. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll weigh in. What do I think? I think he stays. I think he stays. I think he stays for this reason. As much as Cal loves the limelight, he loves the bright lights, does it really get any bigger than Kentucky? Mm. I mean, when you talk about rabid fandom, does it really get any bigger than the BBN? I mean, that's SEC-style football love for SEC basketball. For basketball, Coach, you're not going to get that anywhere else. You know, you're not going to get that large of a fan base. Duke has got a nice fan base. Um... That's about it, though. I mean, when you talk about just crazy, rabid, irrational love, there aren't very many places that rival Kentucky as far as the intensity and then the mass of people who root for Big Blue. There aren't places in basketball and in sports in general where you're going to have that rabid of fan base. You know what I mean? And, yeah, the pro job would be nice. But you can be a you, you can be a Kentucky for forever. 
Mm. I mean, and and you can be a legend forever. The thing about the league is there's the money, mm. and the money is is the lure. Because in the league you're gonna get fired. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it, it, it's not going. It never. It, it only ends one way in the league. You're gonna get fired. You get hired to be you fired. Know? Yep. You get hired exactly. to be fired. <laughs> exactly. In Kentucky, you can ride off into the sunset as a god. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you can ride off. He's not. He's never gonna get a statue outside of uh, the, outside of Staples. You're gonna get a statue of Kentucky if he keeps doing what he's doing. I mean, in his five years there, they got three Elite Eights, two Final Fours, and a national title. And the one year they didn't make the tournament was last year when their best player towards ACL halfway through the season. So, I mean, he if he keeps doing this at Kentucky, that's the thing. He's not doing this at, you know, at some obscure, um, you know, not on the radar university. He's at Kentucky. He's at the flagship program for college basketball, one of the blue blood programs for college basketball, and he is winning at a ridiculous rate. And when you start, when you say all of that, three elite eight in five years, two final fours and a national championship in five years, that's what he's done in his five years there. He's done nothing but win. And when you win at Kentucky, you, you, every win is another etch in his statue at that school. So that, that's why, I, and, I, and honestly, I can see him going either way. But that's why I think he stayed at Kentucky is because he'll never be a god in L.A. You know, because, again, no, no, franchise, no franchise in the NBA is immune uh, from the drought. Everybody goes through the drought. The only, people that, only, the only squad that's been drought-proof, that's been recession-proof, is the Spurs. But that's because Dunk, they've had, as long as Duncan's there, they're good. When Duncan goes, the, the drought's coming. And, you know, Jordan left the Bulls. They've been in the drought ever since. No franchise, the, the, the Celtics are in the drought right now. Hell, the Lakers are in the drought. I mean, themselves. No franchise is drought-proof, and no coach, no championship coach really survives a drought. One, they don't want to – I mean, where's Doc Rivers? He ain't saying – he ain't saying there's no rebuilding. You leave, you know what I mean, or you get fired. And so in Kentucky, you're always reloading. You're building a – you can truly have a dynasty because you are the brand. You know, you are the brand. And that's the thing that I think he – you know, we talk about him loving the limelight. It's not going to get any bigger than that. He's the brand in Kentucky. You know, he'd be the brand. He'd never be the brand in, in L.A. The brand itself is the Lakers. And he'd be a piece of it. He'd be a part of it. But he'd never be the brand. Well, it's a lot like Nick Saban at Alabama. I mean, it's the basketball version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick Saban is never leaving Alabama. I mean, if he do, he retires. But I mean, right. he's still coaching. He's already a god down there. I mean, besides uh, you know all of the the old cats that went through there. I mean, right now, if you ask somebody about college football, it's about Alabama and Nick Saban. That's it. Yeah, I mean, people in Alabama, you know, they they attribute all types of stuff to Nick Saban. He ain't had nothing to do with. It. My car started this morning. It, it didn't start for two weeks. Thank, thank God for saving. <laughs> Must have been Nick saving. <laughs> roll tide. You know what I mean? Right, roll tide. You know what I'm saying? Can't get a raise at work. 
Oh, Nick Saban must have got that for me. <laughs> Roll Tide. You know what I mean? Just, just blaming, just blaming all kinds of Nick, giving Nick Saban credit for all kinds of stuff that he had nothing to do with. School closed yep. today. He's outside. Roll Tide. Nick Saban did it. Nick Saban got school closed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That that's how it is out there, man. That's how that's how it is. That's how irrational it is, you know. And that's what it is for Kentucky basketball. It's that irrational. And it's never gonna get like that in LA, you know. Because as long as he's winning in Kentucky, and even you know, if he continues to have the success that he's having, even when he's not winning, you know, he's still gonna have more leaps. And if he's not winning in LA, that LA media is gonna be awning if the Lakers are not winning, you know. The Lexington media, not so much. Not so much. So we'll see what he does. It, it's a re, it's, it's going to be real interesting. Now, we've talked a lot about the losers. We've got to talk about the winners, the people that actually won the game, which is UConn. UConn came out, shocked Florida. I didn't think they beat Florida. But watching them play Florida and watching how they beat Florida, I had a strong feeling that they were going to win the next game. And before the Kentucky game, before the championship game last night, I texted both PhD and D. Wills and said, I got UConn in this one. And the reason I had UConn, aside from the fact that they have the uh, NTA tournament cheat code, um, one of my friends on Facebook said they got the game shark cartridge. <laughs> all my video, all my nineties video game heads know what I'm talking about when I talk about the game shark cartridge. They had the cheat code, and they had the, the the tournament cheat code in Shabazz Napier which is a hot guard, a hot point guard, gets you very far every time. Um, any The team with that hot guard almost always is going to advance and have a real shot at winning it all if they have some decent pieces around that guard. And, you know, Napier, he did his thing. He balled. Um, but the other thing on top of that that really got me in that Florida game is the intensity – and the look in the eyes of the guys at UConn, there was a a steely, not going to back down, not taking nothing off nobody kind of mentality. And I don't care what's on the front of your jersey, you're going to have to beat us. They didn't back down from, from moments, from big moments. They didn't back away. Um, and that was a reflection on Kevin Ollie. And the moment that summed it all up for me and really solidified who that UConn team was was at halftime during the national championship game. Kevin Alley was interviewed by the sideline reporter, and she was asking him a series of questions. And one of those questions, she made the comment, you know, Kentucky's a great second-half team. What are you guys going to do to switch things up to maintain your lead? And Kevin Alley responded with, are we a great second-half team, too? <laughs> you know, those were the first words. That, first, he gave her a look like, really? I don't care about no Kentucky. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know? That's right. And, and then he hit her with that. that. Exactly. Like, uh, we're a great second-half team, too. And that's the mentality his players have. You know, that whole no disrespect to them, but we on scholarship, too. <laughs> you that's know what right. I mean? Like, I didn't come here to talk about the other team. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. And how we gonna we gonna win this game? And you know that level of confidence, that level of of scrappiness, that level of moxie 
is what I saw in that team and what that team exemplified. And, you know, you always know a good coach is when that team takes on that coach's personality. Mm-hmm. And you saw a lot of Kevin Alley's personality in that UConn team. You know, they felt slighted. They felt discarded. They felt uh, as if people didn't believe in them. And they had a right to feel that way because I don't know anybody who actually had UConn in the title game. Um, nobody picked them. Nobody thought that they could get that far outside of their locker room. And nothing bonds a group of guys together more than having success and having nobody else outside of your camp, your brotherhood, your team believe that you could do that. And that's what bonded those guys together, and you saw them play with that bond. It was, it was, it was fun to watch them play. It was very fun to watch them play. What are your impressions of the UConn team, uh, Larry? Well, I mean, I got two things. I mean, first is kind of a general thing. Um, the old adage is still holding true. You got, you know, experienced guards leading you to a championship. So if you want to, like, cook up a championship formula, you're going to need experienced guards to get you to the promised land, all right? It's been holding true since forever. I think Carmelo was the only one to kind of buck that trend. But uh, I still think you're going to need experienced guards to get to the finals. The second thing is, I don't know about you guys, but when I watched UConn, it was a lot. It reminded me a lot of those old Big East teams. The same teams who pretty much said, you know, forget everybody. It's us against the world. And for some, I mean, I don't know if it was made up or not, but they had this chip on their shoulder. I mean, they did. And they were playing almost like those Big East teams from back in the day where they just, they're going to fight and claw and scratch their way to the top of the mountain, and they did it. And, I mean, it's a reflection of, you know, what Kevin Ollie's been doing and preaching to them, that nobody think y'all any good. You, you Look at your seed. Y'all ain't going nowhere. You're going to have to show them different. And every interview, post-game, pre-game, pretty much confirmed all of that. They, they had this mentality, us against the world, and it worked for them. So, Combine that with the senior uh, or the you know experienced guard play, and you got a championship. So, I mean, I, I still don't believe it because <laughs> of the way their bigs, the way UConn bigs were playing. I didn't think they had a shot. <laughs> I was like, man, second go kill them in the second half. Because I mean, look at the 17 minute mark. You know, basically their bigs were UConn's bigs were getting the ball in the post, and they were getting their shots blocked up on almost every attempt. And I'm like, oh, man, this game over. But, you know, once that dog came out, that dog came out. And UConn just went on and, and questioned whatever little run Kentucky had, and the game was over. Yeah, and, and that's the way it went. I mean, UConn, UConn, whatever Kevin, Kevin Ollie obviously sold them a narrative. And the narrative probably went something like this. Nobody believes you. Nobody wants you here. Nobody wants you around. Nobody has your back but us. Nobody wants us here. They banned us. You know, they kicked us out. You know, they don't believe in us. You know, they say we don't graduate our players, this, that, and the other, you know. And he sold their players that that narrative, and they bought in hook, line, and sinker. They believed it. And they took that, and it fueled them. It fueled them in in that game. 
Now, again, this is a great program. When you really look at the run that they've had since 1999, um, this UConn team uh, is – the UConn program is one of the best programs in the country, and you have to put it in a conversation. D. Wills, where would you rank it as a program right now? Um, with this championship in tow, you know, that's four in 15 years. Uh, where would you put this squad or you know, put this program when you talk about the, the Blue Blood programs in college basketball? you, you got to put them at the top because nobody has more four. Like, I think the closest is, what, two? Right? And yeah. So, and they've done it different ways. And you got to argue before that they had great teams that were, like, you know, number one seeds or great teams that were, um, uh, you know, challenged for Final Four. So the run, you know, since Calhoun, uh, was there. I think part of the program with, with answered yesterday, because this is a big thing. We talk about this on RSG. This is the thing that when you talk about kind of the, the brand and being great, the thing was, was it about Calhoun, right? So, you know, UConn was tied to Calhoun. I think what yesterday did was really communicate the sustaining power and that Kevin Ali is going to take that to the next level. And, you know, so I, I think you got to put him right at, at the top. Um, the, the crazy thing about it is this last two came out of, you know, somehow out of nowhere, you know, um, uh, to do it. So I think that's why people feel weird about it. But the bottom line is they won, they've won four of that time, and I think the closest the next one is two. So yeah. you've got to give it to them. Yeah, so I, I'm going to issue a challenge to the Renegades. Um, next week I want everybody to come in here prepared to give me your top ten programs of the last 20 years, going back to 94, bringing it forward to now, top 10 programs in the last 20 years in college basketball. That's the chance. You're going to have to get PhD, get the memo out to PhD, throw up the bat segment. We've got to do an RSG list, and we're going to have to yeah. unveil this over the next couple of weeks. Because I think there's a conversation. I think we just need to reflect on this for a minute because I think what people think a top, the top 10 should be I don't think it really be that when you really start to break down what programs have done over That's this right. stretch. Um, because UConn flew under the radar until now, yeah. in my opinion, as far as being one of the most decorated programs of the last 20 years. When you, if somebody were to ask that question off the top of people's head, I think UConn would probably be number four or five as far as just being generally mentioned, not yeah. where you would, people would rank them, but when you talked about give me your top five programs, you know, I think UConn may have been mentioned, I mean, I think they probably would have been left off of somebody's top five list. No. But I think it would have been a definite miss for people, a definite miss if people didn't recognize that. So, um, you know, I, I think that's something that we got we, we got to get, get those lists popping. So the challenge has been issued for sure. We got to get the list going, you know what I'm saying, so we can get we we can dig into this topic. We can dig it in, dig into this idea uh, about these top programs because you know UConn, Florida. You know there are some programs that are not basket that that are under the radar because when you think top basketball programs, you're thinking Duke. You know you're thinking North Carolina. You're thinking Kansas. You're thinking Syracuse. Some of these schools come to mind. Michigan State. Um, I, I would I would I would beg that there are probably going to be some surprises in that top ten when you really start to look at how people have performed, tournament performances, and you start to take into account all those different things. I think I think you'll come out with a very different picture of who's at the top of the game right now from a programmatic perspective. 
So that's going to be our exercise <laughs> next week. Until then, though, we're going we gonna to hit you off with this uh, DJ Slick uh, mix that we got going on over here. Uh, DJ Slick is the newest member of the RSG fam. He's our Jam Master J. He keeps it popping. He keeps it jamming with, with uh, great mixes when we do our RSG live. Uh, he is uh, he is the man that provides the soundscape for the renegades to uh, plunder. You know what I mean? We we bring we bring we bring the ruckus over uh, DJ Slick mixes, uh, and we gonna hit you all with it like this.
Taking a brother's direction as I ran the intersection Went to show dog's house, they was watching your MTV rap What's the haps on the crap? Shake em up, shake em up, shake em up, shake em Roll em in a circle of homies and watch me break em with a 7 7 11 7 11 7 even back door, little Joe I picked up the cash flow Then we played ball, and I'm yelling domino Plus nobody I know got killed in South Central LA Today was a good day My homie's house paid Picked up a girl Been trying to dig since the 12th grade It's ironic I had the boo, she had the chronic The Lakers beat the super fine Felt on the big fat fanny Pulled out the jammy And killed the boo nanny And my Jimmy runs deep So deep, so deep Put her butt to sleep Woke her up around one She didn't hesitate To call Ice Cube the top gun Throw it to the pad and I'm coasting Another sip of the potion hit the three-wheel motion. I was glad everything had worked out. Got the burnt off and then chirped out. Today was like one of those fine dreams. Didn't even see a berry flashing those high beams. No helicopter looking for the murder. Two in the morning, got the fat burger. Even saw the lights of the good year blink. And it red ice cubes a pinch. Drunk as hell, but no throwing up. Way home and my page is still blowing up. Today I didn't even have to use my 8K. I gotta say it was a good day. Back to the real sports guys, the real guys talk real sports. That was a hot mix from Renegade DJ Slick. You're listening to the real sports guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We in the house. Oh, man, great show going on tonight. You're in the midst of it, and we are about to keep it rolling. Uh, we just got done talking about the NTA tournament, um, sharing our thoughts on the championship, uh, the two teams that played in the NTA uh, title game. University of Kentucky and the Yukon Huskies. Um, we had our own little tournament challenge here with the real, uh, real real sports guys, RSG. We set up a tournament challenge, and, you know, we had some prizes lined up, hooked up by a man, LR. Um, he had some great prizes lined up for the winners of the tournament. But in order to get your hands on these prizes, you had to outperform the renegades. Now, we fancy ourselves experts. As far as, it, as as far as sports goes, so we're a tough crew to beat. Now, uh, I I held down my uh, end of the bargain <laughs> in this particular situation. <laughs> my man PhD and my man D Wills, they tried. <laughs> they gave it a good. They gave it a good old college try, but they didn't quite get it done the way I got it done. 
Um, yeah. So I'm gonna bring in my man LR. LR, you could run down the results of the tournament. Um, you know, I took second. You know, and I, you know, I, I'm of the, I'm of the uh, Ricky Bobby. I, I like to live by the philosophy of, of Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. If you ain't first, you're last. So I was the first, last place finisher, um, but there was a winner. So Larry, who is the winner of this year's challenge and can you tell them what they've won? Yes, sir. Well, first off, let me just say that once again, the tournament challenge had a bunch of fantastic players. I wish that they can come back next year and play again. Uh, first, I just want to announce the third place winner because we do have a third place winner. This person will be receiving an iLive iPod Sound Dot, courtesy of Resistance Digital. And that will go to a Mr. Harper Donahue. Good job, Harper. Um, Harper scored 287 points in the tournament, which actually was in the neighborhood of just about everybody in the top ten. So that just shows how competitive this tournament was. And as stated, the game changer comes in second place, so we don't have a second place winner. Game changer, way to hold it down, buddy. Hold it down. Hey, you know how I get down. down. You know how I get down. You know how I get down. down. I cannot I'll play with him. Cannot win with him. <laughs> cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Y'all get, y'all get that second place prize. No, no, I should give it to you. <laughs> so, we even. Yeah. We even. Yeah, yeah. So, with that being said, I want to announce the first place winner. Now, let me just tell you about this guy, okay? The average in this, the top ten players besides the winner of this tournament was around 175 points. This guy scored 326 points (laughs) in this tournament challenge. Blew everybody away. So I think I might need to hand in my tournament (laughs) sheet. And not even put one in anymore because this guy is the goods. Not only is he the goods, but he lives in Michigan. Mm. Give it up for Mr. Joe Darling. Good job, Joe. We love it, Larry. We love that you you create the energy for this. And uh, we went to a new platform that we're going to build on and uh, even make that work for us. There's so many bells and whistles we haven't even released with that. Uh, so it was good for you to, to kind of help us get that going. Oh, yeah. And let, let me interrupt one quick second. Uh, the first place prize for Mr. Joe Darling is a 32-inch RCA HD TV, courtesy of Resistance Digital Solutions. Love it, man. And you got live and in color. Jamaica's good. <laughs> yeah, Jamaica's good. Yeah. Jamaica's very good. That's a nice, that's a nice prize right there. Got to hit it with one of these. Maybach music. (laughs) (laughs) So shout out to the winner. It was a great challenge. The challenge, I mean, the tournament this year just threw through. There's so many twists and turns to it. Um, From the uh, from the Kentucky Wildcats going from an eight seed uh, all the way to the title. UConn is a seven seed going all the way to the title. All, 
all the number one seeds getting knocked out. Um, I mean, just an unbelievable bracket this year. A lot of fun. Um, kept you engaged the whole time. A lot of great games. So shout out to the winner, Joe Darling. Uh, congratulations. You know, I, I hope. You know, I, I hope you enjoy the TV, Harper. Um, I hope you enjoy the iPod. If you don't want it, send it my way. I, I'll keep it for you. You know, we can keep it at my house. It could be both of ours. We can just keep it at my house. <laughs> but another great tourney challenge in the book. Again, I stole one of those spots. So, you know, that's the goal is you got to keep us, you know, if we hold down all three spots, then y'all don't get nothing. So, you know, the more people that enter, the more people that engage, the more chances the listeners out there have of actually winning the challenge and walking away with the prizes. Otherwise, the renegades will take all the prizes in. And, you know, that's good for us, but it's not good for y'all. We're trying to get this stuff right. away. Right. You know, we're trying to give things away. So you got to make sure you get in next year when we have another challenge. We'll be back again with it. Hats off to LR with the hot gifts uh, for sponsoring the challenge, um, getting getting folks hooked up. Um, in the end, we all know it goes down like this. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. That's what it's all about. That's the name of the game. So, you know, until next year, I look forward to getting prepped, getting ready. You know, I made my return to the top, to the winner's circle. I like life in the winner's circle. You know, so I plan on coming back next year. Hopefully some of my RSG brethren will join me in the winner's circle next year. Um, but I'll be back for sure. So bring your A game. Next year I'm taking the first spot. So, um, you know, all you guys can shoot for second. Uh, <laughs> now it's time to, to pay some bills. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. We're going to pay a few bills real quick, so let's go ahead and get into it. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contact the Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. LR, you know how it goes. We need more dogs. Yes, sir. So my dog of the week goes out to the head basketball coach at UConn. And no, not that one, the women's head coach, Gino Ariema. In a recent interview, he uh, was responding to the budding rivalry between uh, UConn and Notre Dame women basketball program, and he stated, <clears throat> we beat each other's brains in, and we're trying to win championships, and we're supposed to go out and have a bottle of wine afterwards? That it ain't happening. Gina Ariema, <laughs> thank you for telling people that women's basketball is serious business. 
<laughs> for sure, for sure. Hats off to Gino Ariema. You know, you really have to look at what this guy has done. He's nine and zero in championship games. Nine and zero. You feel me? Even Phil Jackson has lost in a title game from time to time. Nine and zero is pretty ridiculous. So hats yep, off to Gino Ariema. Yeah, yeah. So they just won. He just won his ninth. His ninth. His ninth championship, and he hasn't lost any. That's pretty sick. D. Wills. We need more dogs. Well, I'm going to keep it in the Husky family. Uh, I'm going with the head coach of the men's team, Kevin Alley. I mean, think about the journey. Um, uh, he's journeying in, in, uh, in the NBA, has a reputation of hard working. He, he, he sat and learned under some great coaches, came into a UConn program that was uh, that couldn't go to the tournament, had star players and folks figuring out whether or not they want to leave. Got blown out by 30 at Louisville uh, about a month ago, and then got this team right and then got them going in the UConn way. Um, I don't know if enough credit is given to how he's really um, put his imprint on this team and the attitude that made game trip is really a job. I want a few people I've heard really talk about uh, what he's done Sparks team. So Kevin Ali is my dog of the week. All right. And last but not least, I shall go. We need more dogs. My dog of the week, in the same vein as you guys, I'm going with a UConn Husky. Mine is Shabazz Napier. Um, you, you, D. Wills, you talked about Kevin Ali. We talked about earlier how Kevin Ali imprinted his personality on that team. But in the end, you can be as you can you can try and imprint your personality onto a team as much as you can, but you've got to have at least one guy, one kid on your team who embodies that on the court and who represents that shift in personality that and, and can be you on the court. And that kid for Kevin Ali was Shabazz Napier, um, the cheat code as I call him. The, he picked his spot um, amazingly. In, in in the championship game, when his team needed a basket, he was shooting. Um, when his team needed a play, he was making it. Uh, he stepped up, he showed out, and he finished his career the way it started, with a national championship his freshman year, got a national championship his senior year, uh, put the team on his back, and carried him all the way through the tournament as a seven seed, um, knocking off the overall number one knocking off a heavy favorite, the Vegas favorite in Michigan State. Um, just a, a great performance by Napier, one of the performances that will go down in history as a very memorable performance. So hats off to him and the UConn Huskies. So that does it for this edition of the Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Every week, Resistance Digital sponsors the Dog of the Week. Make sure you hit up LR and get all of your tech needs met at a very reasonable price. Catch him at Larry at ResistanceDigital.com. Hit him up with your needs. He'll hit you back. He'll get you set up. It's that simple. All right? So make sure you check him out. Again, you're listening to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, heading into the home stretch. We're going to talk NBA playoffs. Now, the playoffs are coming right around the corner. The season is going to be ending very quickly. Um, I want to bounce some. I got some questions for the guys who are in the house. Um, D. Wills, who are some surprises uh, as we get into this NBA playoff race? The eighth seed in both conferences is still up for grabs. In the West, 
there's still some possible shifting that can happen from seven to eight, you know, as far as who's in and who's out. In the East, is pretty much that eight seed is open. Uh, how do you what are the, who are the surprise teams who could make some noise that are off of people's radar in this particular uh, playoff season? These wills. Well, you know, you know, everybody's been kind of talking about you know the the top teams and you know what um, you know they're going to do, particularly in the East. You know, it's all about Miami and, and Indiana and um, and some of the teams that are interesting, and if you watch the way they play in these first couple of rounds, and not just even in the eighth spot, but I think um, when you think about teams like Charlotte and Washington, you know, they're securely in the playoffs. But the way those teams, those teams have talent. Um, those teams are young. Um, they could uh, cause uh, some problems early on with folks because they don't know any better. Uh, New York is trying to come down the stretch. It's funny, you know, Phil announces and the folks start to, you know, try to put some things uh, together down the stretch. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, uh, five and five with the last ten games. Um, but I think in the East, you know, I think it's pretty much going to be dominated, you know, by those top those top teams. But I think as you look on to the West, that's where things get a little interesting. When you think about teams like Memphis, Teams like Phoenix, Minnesota, you know, they're battling. Minnesota's a little farther out, but that Memphis, Phoenix, Dallas, you know, those are kind of teams, uh, especially Memphis. They can, uh, they're what, about one game out um, uh, of, the, of the playoff run, but if they can, if they can overtake Phoenix, um, that's bad news to love someone like San Antonio. Think about that. You don't want to see Big Meat Hook, you know, he only gonna go left, but nobody is gonna stop him. He's gonna go where he wanna go. Um and so I think some of those teams, Gold State, um, has been I've watched them, you know, they're seven and three in their last ten. Um, uh, but they're not making I don't feel like they're making that buzz like they like they were. Um but I think it's those teams that are kinda of outside looking in, the team uh, Memphis. Um, Minnesota's a little too far out, uh, for them to really close the gap. You know, if they were then I think that's you know, anytime you get somebody like love, he's a problem child. Uh, and then Phoenix has just been doing it with a whole bunch of people. They're like eight and two over the last ten games. So you know these are teams that got some players uh, back in can do some damage in the in the first round. And you don't know how San Antonio sometimes five times. You know, uh, you know we always hear that from Charles. You know, five times undefeated, and you don't know when he's gonna show up. You know, he might show up in a tunnel in a black suit in a hoodie. Uh, and you might, oh, not today. <laughs> and I think that's part of San Antonio's issue. You never know when Father Time is going to show up, and these teams uh, are hungry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. And, I, and, you know, you mentioned some teams that, again, that's six, from six to eight right now, it's probably nine. The West is a good nine teams deep with Minnesota kind of lurking. Minnesota's, you know, they, they'll probably be out of it um, when you really look at where they stand. They're six games back of Memphis. But you got Memphis, which gave anybody that they played last year every all that the other team wanted and could handle. Um, you got <laughs> Phoenix, who is just a young running gun squad. You have the Dallas Mavericks, who have again Rick Carlisle doesn't get enough credit as a coach. Uh, he mm-hmm. figures out how to get the best out of guys who nobody else wants. You know, he's made my he, he took Tyson Chandler and made him a viable player again. He's done the same thing 
with Sean Marion Carter, and now Monte Ellis, Devin Harris. He's taken these guys, Samuel Dellenbear, who are retreads, figured out how to use them in a good role, and they've Dallas is winning 60%. they got a 600 winning percentage. That's good. So for a team that, you know, outside of me, I picked them to make the playoffs. I did. You know, Justin laughed at me, but I picked them to make a, make the playoffs. Uh, and then you got Golden State, um, which is a team that I wouldn't want to play if I was a 3C because they could be a lot higher. Um, if, if, if health permitted, I think they're probably a top three or four team in the West. Um, their record doesn't say that. Um, you are what your record says, but I still wouldn't want to see them in the playoffs. Um, the West is the West is always deep. You know, the the eight seed in the West <laughs> is a three seed in the East. That's how deep the West is. You know, and and the, and the ninth seed in the West, the team that doesn't make the playoffs would have been a three seed in the East. It's pretty ridiculous. When you think about the East, what are, what are, what are some teams that what are some good matchups that you're looking forward to? Um, LR. Well, I guess before I start, I'm going to say it's kind of fitting that we're talking about the playoffs and one of the uh, teams that is going to probably shock a lot of people in the wrong way is Indiana. So we're talking about playoffs here. I think uh, Indiana's going to be in trouble. Um, I don't really care who they play. Right now, they are the most dysfunctional team I've seen in a long time. So, and it happened so fast. It happened yeah, so long. I mean, I mean, well, I think part of the issue is that there's a lot of volatility on that team, like personality. Yeah. So yeah. It, it goes back to that whole, you know, can the coach manage those personalities? And, you know, they try to use Evan Turner and – uh, Andrew Bynum as a scapegoat, but when the wheels fall off that fast, it can't be a trade or anything like that. I mean, I really think these guys almost hate each other. <laughs> I mean, they, they really don't like each other. I mean, and that much is obvious. And I don't know if you can fix this problem before the playoffs. Indiana's going to get pushed to seven games in the first round, regardless who they play. It's still kind of up in the air who they're going to play, you know, whether it's the Bobcats or uh, Washington, whatever. I'm not sure where, you know, where the bottom is at right now. But, I mean, those bottom teams in the East, like D. Wills was saying, I think they're going to make some noise because of the dysfunctionality of the top seed and the second seed. Uh, I feel more confident about the three and four seeds coming out of the East than I do about Miami or Indiana. And that's that's crazy talk. <laughs> but if you just look at the bodies of work and I would say the past three to four weeks, I mean, those teams got some holes, man, and they might get exploited. So if they end up getting into a slugfest in the first round, even if they win, if they get into a slugfest in the first round, they could be just right for an upset in the second round. So I'm saying it right now, the one and the two seed are not coming out of the East. Write it down. Wow, the one and the two. Uh, and two. That, that is, Write it down. That is a bold prediction. Now, I do want to get into the, the, the Indiana Pacers. Um, this is a this hard, man. 
I'm telling you, this squad has fallen apart. And they're falling apart at the seams. And for me, it always stems to where's the crazy at? There's all, when, when the team falls apart like this and they're talking chemistry, there's got to be some crazy in the locker room. And when I'm looking at this squad and I'm looking for crazy, the minute I walk past Lance Stevenson, my crazy alarm goes off. <laughs> Well, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. They they got two crazies, though, because it's Stevenson and it's Hibbert. They both crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But see, Hibbert's a different kind of crazy. Hibbert's odd. Stevenson is volatile. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. And so when you walk past, so when Stevenson is your second, third best player, that's not good. When he's your fourth, fifth best guy like he was last year, then you can kind of keep him at bay. You can keep the crazy. The crazy doesn't infect everybody else. When he's your second or third best player, which he has been for the majority of the season, that becomes a problem because then that guy is now making demands, and he's thinking he's a team leader. It's the whole Ricky Incognito effect. You've got to be careful who you put on the leadership council. You know, and when he's your second, third best performer, he's coming in the locker room thinking he can regulate stuff now. You know, he's coming in the locker room thinking he can get in guys' face. I'm not the fifth, sixth man no more. You know, I'm at the top of the food chain. Y'all got to listen to me. Except you're crazy. (laughs) We don't want to listen to you because you're crazy. Like, you know, it's one of those situations where he probably goes off in the locker room at the end of practice, and everybody's just kind of like, oh, here you go again. You know what I mean? Everybody's kind of looking, you know, putting their, taking their stuff up, putting their stuff up real fast, trying to close their locker real quick and get out of there, you know, before he, get, before he gets too, too excited, you know. But I think overall, you know, this team may have just killed itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It may have just shot itself in the foot, you know, and ruined the, the, the most vulnerable because Miami's not going to be this vulnerable next season. You know, this was the year when this team got together that you could see that they were going to be the most vulnerable. When the the ancillary parts start to get a little old, D-Wade, LeBron, and Bosh start to get a little old, and they start to get towards the end of that contract. If these guys opt out, and who knows what they'll do, if they take less money and let Pat Riley rework, rework this roster, Again, then, you know, they may go on another run, you know, which is if I'm no three, that's what I try and do. You know, I may take a, you know, if I'm D-Way, I got money. And I'm going to get money. I take a pay cut, you know, let them bring in somebody else. You know, let them bring in another piece. Let them bring in a couple other pieces. But they're going to get a chance to reshape this roster um, now that some of these contracts are coming up and reload for another run. This was the year where they were going to be weakest. And Indiana, at the beginning of the season, looked like they were poised to step in. But now they're not. You know, LeBron came out today and talked about how talked about how uh, if this were people aren't digging into Indiana the way they would Miami. And it's true. We need to take a look at what's going on with this Indiana team and truly break it down and – Somebody's got to catch heat for it, whether it's Larry Bird, whether it's Frank Vogel, whether it's Paul George. You know, you want to be a superstar. There's some responsibility that comes with that, and he can't play the way he's played in the last 20, 30 games of the season. So that, my friends, is the 
Last word brought to you by XL Academics. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of The Real Sports Guys. Uh, we'll check you next week, same time, same place. As always, we're going to keep it hot. We're going to keep it rolling. You're listening to The Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions, brought to you by Fredericks County, brought to you by XL Academics, brought to you by On the Rocks in Rockford, Illinois. Till next week, same time, same place. Peace. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.